The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. With our Bibles open again to 1 Corinthians 14, we continue looking at the expedient way of prophesying as it is considered, contrasted, and compared over and against the speaking of tongues. First, a word of prayer, and then we'll pick up our reading today with verse number 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Father, we come now in Jesus' name. I thank you for the privilege to preach today. I ask you to touch your people and speak to the heart of that sinner that may be tuning in today, that the Spirit of God would reveal to them their lost condition before God who is holy, and how the price has been paid at Calvary, Jesus Christ, God's Son, man's Savior, has already given his life, shed his blood. He died and was buried and rose again for our justification. I pray now help us through this chapter as we teach your truth and preach to the saints. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, but just before we begin reading, let me remind you, we left off last time together emphasizing the right priority. We mentioned that there was the priority of instruction in the church, that if you give an uncertain sound or there is a sound, whether it be from a pipe, a harp, or a trumpet, or whether it be from tongues, from a voice, If there is sound without sense, the result is confusion. The result is catastrophe. If there is utterance without understanding in the matter of spoken words, it should be sensible words. If there is some sort of excelling in your spiritual experience, but there is no edifying, well, that zeal is not good. 
and that zeal needs guidance. There must be instruction, and the priority should be placed there. This gives priority to interpretation in the church. Understanding must be present concerning the gift of tongues. It is important, a prayerful and practical approach. It is also imperative because understanding is key for the personal involvement in the service. Whether you're praying, whether you're singing, it should be with understanding. But it's also key for public instruction in the church. The learning of others must be considered. Not everyone in the congregation would be learned in that particular language that was about to be spoken, whether in prayer or whether in singing. Therefore, Paul is stating that the prayer in verse 16 should not be offered if it would not be understood by all who would hear it. Again, there is the emphasis upon edification of all within the congregation in verse 17. Whenever people gather together in the name of the Lord Jesus, it is a gathering of souls, of saints, and even of sinners. It is the coming together of lives that need to be edified. Some need to be built up in their most holy faith, who are believers, and some need to clearly hear the gospel, that they can begin to understand its truths and their need of regeneration by the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Now today, we pick up in verse 18 with the priority of indoctrination in the church. Paul says, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue. In verse 18, the apostle was thankful for tongues. In verse 19, he is truthful about tongues. Verse 18, there is the acknowledgement of his God. I thank my God. In the modern-day charismatic movement, the emphasis, the acknowledgement, is not on the Lord. It's on the tongues. It's on the speaker. It's not on the Lord. There is not only the acknowledgement of his God, but the acknowledgement of his gift. Paul possessed the gift of tongues. But now, verse 19, the apostle was truthful about tongues. In the church, teaching should be given the preferred place. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also. But then also in the church, tongues should be given their proper place. He said then 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Tongues deserved their proper place, and it was not the preferred place. Teaching, instruction, interpretation, indoctrination must come first. This is getting the emphasis right as it's on the right priority. Edifying, indoctrinating the church. Not only the right pursuit, the right priority, but now in verses 20 through 25, the emphasis is upon the right perspective. There should be the maturity 
of men's hearts in the church. Verse number 20. But then there should be the manifestation of men's hearts in the church. Look to verse 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. The maturity of men's hearts. Men should be edified that they might grow, that they might mature. Why? There's no reason for immaturity among the saints. Be not children in understanding. But then there is no room for iniquity among the saints. Paul says, In malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. There was such division, such carnality, such contention that there was malice developing among the saints of God in the church of God, which was at Corinth. But not only maturity, but there should be the manifestation of men's hearts in the church. Whenever God's people gather in the local assembly, it should be that God's power is evident that God himself is present among the body, and that the hearts of men are manifested. They are opened, they are disclosed, and men and their hearts are laid bare before God, and the work of God in the hearts of men is evident. So here Paul refers the saints to the scriptures, In verse 21, in the law it is written. So we see the law and its words. Here is another example in the New Testament of how the early Christians in the early church were always pointed to that which is written or to the scriptures for their authority for faith and for practice. The law and its words points to the Lord and His words. Now, we read this quotation a couple of broadcasts back, maybe three. The quotation is from Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12. But here in the New Testament, the Word of God says, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. The Lord and His words. So Paul refers the saints to the Scriptures, but in verse 22, he refers the saints to the sign gifts. Look to verse 22 now. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not, but prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Now, we have already dealt with this previously, but let me run by it. Tongues were assigned to them that believe not. Therefore, when it came to tongues, there was a national requirement, unbelieving Jews. The law foretold this back up to verse 21. God would do this before the Jews which did not believe. But then there was also a spiritual requirement that there be not only unbelieving Jews, but that there be unbelievers, as he mentions here to them that believe not. And as I've already said, the spiritual requirement is unbelievers. The national requirement is unbelieving Jews. 
but prophesying was a service to them that believe. But in verses 23 through 25, Paul refers the saints to the souls of men. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned, or Gentiles, or unbelievers, or Jews, will they not say that ye are mad? But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So when thinking of the souls of men in the local assembly, if there is nothing but tongues and no interpretation, those who come in would be confused. But if there is prophesying, then there is edifying, there is exhorting, and those who come in would be convinced. Their hearts would be made manifest. How? The sinner's heart would be reproved in verse 24. The sinner's heart would be revealed in the the first part of verse 25. And then those who come in could be converted. There would be a visible contrition. Men would fall down on their face. And then there would be a notable confession, yea, that God is in you of a truth. And the saints would be edified, and God would be glorified, because the sinner was also notified and brought to God. And yes, Christ Jesus would be confessed as Lord of all. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.